Welcome to Vibrant Body and Abundant Life with Tanya Penny. Listen in and learn how to use new mind, body, and spirit wisdom and supportive tools to move beyond your fears, self-doubts, and limiting beliefs. Tanya is devoted to helping you heal pain, illness, and trauma so you can enjoy a healthy body and balanced lifestyle. You deserve to fully live your passionate, purposeful life with abundance and freedom. Hello and welcome everyone to Vibrant Body and Abundant Life, an inspiring, empowering series where some of the world's cutting edge, mind, body, spirit, healers, coaches, and leaders are coming together to share with you their wisdom, their tools, so that you can move beyond your fear, your doubts, your limiting beliefs, so that you can heal the past stuff that's been holding you back. Perhaps you also experience illness or past trauma, and we're here to help you to move beyond all of that. So I am your host, Tanya Penny, Vibrant Body and Abundant Life Catalyst and Coach. And I'm here because I'm devoted to helping you to heal. Whatever it is in your life that is holding you back from experiencing a healthy body, a peaceful mind, a life of balance, plus fully living your passion and purpose with abundance and freedom. We've got a treat today, you guys. I know most of you know that I typically seem to interview a lot of women, and today I'm excited to share the wisdom of Brian Rees with you. We are going to be diving into a very important topic, as always, love and relationships. And this time of year, absolutely important with the holidays, um, whether you're listening to this now or, or during the holidays, um, it will be, you know, be beneficial. But this time of year, the holidays really stirs things up with relationships, I find. So let me tell you a little bit about Brian. So Brian is a former USAF captain. He has survived multiple dark nights of the soul and now coaches men, women, and couples to create thriving lives and relationships. His viral blog, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her, has been read by over 30 million people worldwide. And his articles have appeared in Red Book, Thought Catalog, Good Men Project, Raw Attraction Magazine, and more. His two books on Amazon and two online courses, including Boundaries, Relationships Suck Without Them, have helped thousands of people across the globe make sense of love and intimacy's bewildering senselessness. So you can learn more about Brian at brianreeves.com. Welcome, Brian. Hi, Tanya Penny. How are you? <laughs> I love that when you said my full name. That's cute. Tanya <laughs> Penny. That's, that's a, it, it has a Tanya Penny. It has a, it has a cadence. It has a rhythm. It has a fluidity to it that I enjoy. Congratulations oh, well, on being named Tanya well, Penny. Hey, thank you. You know, um, my secret is that I kept my, my married name, even though I am now divorced. I, I just couldn't go back to Sadowski. Uh. <laughs> So I thank my ex-husband for for my last name, <laughs> but I'm glad you enjoy it. That's why I kept it. I do. Oh, yeah. Very nice to meet so you. So there you have it. Yes, you too, Brian. And I just 
really am happy that you said yes to being here with us today because I think you have so much meaningful, um, just really necessary on the planet right now stuff for relationships because we know everything really mm. evolves around relationship. And, mm. man, some of the hardest relationships are those with your partner. Um, mm. yes. So, yes. So I'm not sure where we want to start today. I have a bunch of questions. Are you feeling guided to start with something? Like, well, something you're well, guided actually, to say you know, right now. Well, I, I want to – you had sent me – so I know we kind of threw out the questions that, that, that you had sent earlier, which so we can free flow. And at the same time, though, the first question that you asked, I think, is, is, is a really an interesting one. I, I sat with that for a little bit. It was – why are love and relationships important to having a vibrant body and abundant life? Mm. And it made me, I, I reflected on a, on something that I'd heard Tony Robbins say many, many years ago, um, that relationships, the reason that we do relationships, I don't know if he said the reason, but he said relationships magnify emotions. And I was, I was sitting with this, relationships magnify emotions, like they make everything bigger. Life gets, our experience of life gets bigger. And I remember, our emotional life in particular, and I remember thinking, well, it was just today as I was reflecting on that, I was thinking, wow, it's so interesting. Okay, sure, relationships magnify emotions, but what is the one thing that so many men and a lot of women run away from? <laughs> our emotions. Emotions. <laughs> emotions. And I, and I sort of was just sitting here as you, because you asked that question and I just sort of reflecting on the, what that brought up for me. And I was sitting here because <clears throat> a lot of the work in, in my, in the past few years that I've been doing in particular is, is in, in supporting men and women to, to navigate the, the emotional chasm that, that seems to exist in our intimate relationships. And, and, um, yeah, it just, just occurred to me that, Gosh, yeah, the, 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 the thing relationships do is the one thing that so many of us have been conditioned to run away from. So it's no wonder that our we relationships <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, well, I'm yeah, I love, I love that. Yeah, I love so, that. And I think you brought up something really important with emotions. Um, because I think all of us, I mean, one of the reasons we really want to be in relationships, specifically with a partner, is to feel that passion, right? Um, to feel that, that emotion of excitement, passion, love, of course. And as much as we want it, like you said, we, we grew up, most of us grew up, and I know me and you have some very similar things in our past history, um, making it really, making emotions really scary, right? Like I grew up with, um, an alcoholic father who had a lot of rage and anytime anybody expressed an emotion, um, whether it was sadness or even joy and happiness, because he didn't feel that way, um, you know, all hell broke loose. Right. So, yeah. Yep. yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering um, <laughs> what brought you into the work that you're doing? And if you want to share a little bit of your past history um, with everyone, you're welcome to as much as you feel would be helpful um, as how you got into being a love and relationship coach. Yeah. Well, um, sh short version, I sucked at relationships for 20 plus years and one day decided I don't want to suck anymore. I can't be destined to just do this terribly. <laughs> I always have had good intentions. 
right? I think a lot of people could probably relate to this. I've always had the best of intentions for, for, for certainly myself and certainly for my partner. Always. I have never wished ill upon a partner I was in relationship with. And yet, it seemed like over and over and over, <clears throat> my girlfriends were always so damn angry, eventually, or there was just so much deep dissatisfaction that, you know, on either of our parts. And I just, just couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. I mean, I was you know, so comfortable around women. I was raised by, uh, by women, three sisters and uh, a mother and a stepmother who were very, very strong women who really oriented my, my early life. Um, I had two fathers as well, but really it was the women in my life that, that gave me direction. And, and, and that I, I just grew up feeling very comfortable around. So I figured I, I should be able to do intimate relationship really well. I sucked at it. I was terrible. And um, I mean, my well, girlfriend in my, my early 30s, who actually I spent most of my early 30s with, she would go on to just say over and over, I was the worst boyfriend she had ever had. Um, which was a really terrible, it's a shitty thing to say. Yeah. And, 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 and it totally denies her responsibility for what we experienced. However, in retrospect, when I turned 36 and that relationship ended after five years of just agony, um, the next few years, I started to really learn in a way just how right she was. I had been a terrible partner but only in the sense, not because I had bad intentions, but only because I had no idea what she wanted from me. And so mm. I couldn't possibly offer it. And the things that she would try to articulate that she wanted, they just didn't make any sense to me. And, and, and they, they came from a place that just, I don't know, it just, I just couldn't understand what the hell she was talking about. Um, so maybe we can explore that further, but that, that's the bottom line. I mean, I got into this through being really bad at it and then <laughs> learning, learning what the hell I was missing and, and really you know, writing about it uh, publicly. I've been blogging since 2009, so it's over eight years in my blogs in probably 2013-ish, 2012, 13, 14, around that time, I started turning my my blogging publicly about my experience as a man in relationship and what I was waking up to and discovering and and that just had a snowball effect as as um my, my blogs became very popular and, and, and it kind of people just started to want to work with me. I, I didn't really you know set out to, to make it happen. It just sort of was a natural outflow. So you know, well, here we are. I'm not surprised. Well I'm not surprised because um <laughs> Men wanting to work on relationships. I'm not saying that it's completely, yeah. you know, crazy, but, yeah. um, you know, it's just one of those things that women tend to be the ones that focus more on that and want to really work on that. Yeah. And maybe that's, you know, yeah. just it's it could just be the gender thing, right? Um, well, so I find I, I, that, I'd, like, I'd, I'd, I'd yeah, love to just speak to that really quick, Tanya, because I think it's a very important distinction that that one one of the things that you know I've 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 come to really understand is that women just biologically women feel viscerally feel connection or disconnection mm. 
in ways that men biologically don't. Just considering the amount of oxytocin and estrogen that's coursing through the average woman's body, not every woman, but the average woman's body, she has levels of oxytocin, the bonding. It's the bonding chemical. It's the bonding hormone, right? Mm -hmm. And levels far higher than a man's body. A man has far more, an average man, has far more testosterone in his body than oxytocin. I mean, even what happens in when we're in the womb, our brains are fed chemical baths of different proportions, depending on whether you have the, you know, the the uh, the, the Y chromosome or not. Like there are real biological differences in the way that then we experience relationship. Mm. And so, what what <clears throat> you know when a, when a, when when a, and this happens to me commonly. I mean, this happens in, so I'm, I'm engaged. I've been with my fiance about over two years anyway. And it's usually, she's the one that normally, uh, lets me know we haven't been connected for a couple of days or a week. <laughs> usually it's a surprise to me. I had thought everything was great. Right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's interesting because um, that's the same experience I have with my sweetie. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. She absolutely. I'll be like, I'll be like, we haven't. I'll be like, we haven't. Like, we haven't been connecting, and I'll kind of sometimes say it in a frustrated way, and he'll be like, "What are you talking about? We ate dinner <laughs> together. We did this. Yeah. We went on a hike. We spent time together." I'm like, "Yeah, but we didn't really talk about deep." Stuff. And he's like, right. what? <laughs> right. Like, what, what do you, what is that even, you know, and, and this, I first really um, saw this dynamic at play. I was having a conversation with one of my longtime best friends. Uh, this was a years ago, probably maybe three years ago or so. And, <clears throat> and he was telling me about, <clears throat> he was having a lot of marriage problems at the time. And he said, you know, my wife and I were, were sitting in the couch in our living room. We're talking about, um, our relationship, you know, we're, we're in here, we're, we're, we're battling it out. We're talking. And she just says, I don't feel connected to you. And he says, I looked around. Okay. I noticed we're in the same room. We're sitting on the same couch. We're t- We're having words are coming out of our mouth that both. Of- what the fuck are you talking about? You don't feel connected to me. What does that even mean? <laughs> right. So, you know, in working with couples all these years, I've I've really developed a deep appreciation for this, this this very real difference in our the way that we experience the world and relationship, and and a core aspect of my work has been really to help couples bridge that difference um, in ways that help us stay partners. In, 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 despite that difference, rather than what often happens is we turn into pretty quick adversaries, right? Right. Um, because we feel uh, uh, defensive, we feel hurt, we want to blame. Right. Yeah, all, all those things. That's right. Um, that's right. Fear of vulnerability. Right. So, so are you saying that the main, I just want to make sure I'm getting this, are you saying that the main yes. disconnect, be, uh, a difference between men and women when women say, I don't feel connected, is because we have that, that, real chemical, um, deeper bonding thing going on and that we need, and men don't necessarily have it the same way. 
Well, I don't want to reduce it all to that because surely okay. there are some times where, where a, a very you know, man, masculine man will say, I, I just, I don't feel connected to you. I don't feel, I mean, cause right. obviously this can happen in, in both of us. So I don't want to just reduce it yeah. to our biology. <clears throat> um, but I do, I, re, I really have an appreciation for how women tend to feel viscerally, like in their body the yeah. disconnect, like this, like you feel it in your body. I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, because I'm not a woman. No, I do. So different from the men. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Where, and I'm very um, sensitive, empathic, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I experience, I, the minute he, the minute he disconnects, I can feel it. So, and he's, right. So, um that is a, a, a very real and meaningful difference, but it's not, again, I don't want to reduce it to biology because obviously right. men can feel this. And, and, um, but usually when, well, and I, I work with this a lot too. I mean, masculine and feminine energies, they're very dynamic yeah. in a relationship. You know, they shift back between partners um, both times. Women are very capable of shutting off their feelings also. Absolutely. And I think, you know, right. we talked um, about emotions a little earlier, and I think that so many of us are walking around with, you know, unresolved, and I know a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, I've been working on my, you know, healing my past stuff mm-hmm. forever. I know, but we always have more layers, and I think our relationships show us that, right? They show us kind of where we are mm-hmm. um, when it comes to that, because yeah. typically we we model and we attract until we, until we don't, until yeah. we heal it our past relationships and a lot of people have trauma and, you know, and, and fear of expressing their emotions um, in relationship or who they even really are. And, and you talk about that, that hiding or projecting. So if you want to talk, I'd love for you to talk more about that from your perspective. Well, uh, we'll go back to the first question. You know, why do we do relationships? Why are relationships important and essential? Putting aside the, the biological reasons of procreation, and survival, those are certainly, those are kind of the, the base fundamental reasons why we initially do relationships. Um, but beyond that, we do relationships so we can learn how to love. Mm-hmm. Relationships teach us how to love, like really love. Right? There's nothing like spending so much time with someone who conforms to your expectations so little. <laughs> as a as a as an instructive guide on how to love right cuz love is is not logical love is not about being reasonable love is un often unreasonable love loving i call it love anyway love comma anyway right learning how to love comma anyway even when your partner doesn't show up exactly the way you want them to that's when that's when our love really gets to to ha- has an opportunity to expand, to grow, mm. right? It, it's easy, you know. And I, I learned this at 26 years, 27 years old, when I, I was married to a, I had a brief, catastrophic marriage to a French woman. <clears throat> um, when I lived in France for a while, right after the military, I was so disconnected from my own emotions coming out of the military. I couldn't feel anything, and I, I, I married this this woman. Um, after meeting her for just a few weeks, we got married in France. And I remember that was my first lesson that, that eight months that I was with her, I had a very 
I actually talk about this in the Love, Sex, Relationship, Magic audio program. You may have heard if you've listened to that part. Yeah, I think I did. I, heard, I remember the French. I remember the French woman. Yes. <laughs> That's right. So I, well, before up until that point, remember I, I grew up around women. So I thought, look, I'm, I'm, I've got women. I know women. I'm really good with women. I'm very comfortable. Women are. It's easy for women to be around me. I don't put a lot of demands and expectations. Like, I know how to love women. I got three sisters and two moms. I'm good at this. Right? I'm, an, I'm a good unconditional lover. I'm <clears throat> touch with my feminine side. I'm good. And <clears throat> then I married this French woman. And she met so few of my conditions for what I expected a woman, uh, an intimate partner in particular, from what I expected from her. Um, she met so few of my conditions that... I got to see just how conditional my loving was. Mm. In other words, when she didn't give me what I wanted, and I mean just a good morning kiss. I don't mean massive big things, although that also, but I mean just the little things. When she didn't, you know, walk next to me on the street so I could, whatever, because I wanted her to walk next to me on the street. When she didn't, as I said, give me a good morning kiss. Um, when she smoked a cigarette or she, or she, I remember we were in New York once and she flicked the cigarette butt onto the, onto the sidewalk and I about, you know, my, my ecologist heart <laughs> about seized up. And, <clears throat> but all of these, I would withdraw my love. I took back my love. That's not to say oh. that, you know, one of the big, you know, well, before I go there, just, I want to just really ground in that. I withdrew my love when she didn't give me what I want. And I got to see for the first time just how conditional my loving was. I wouldn't give her any of my heart if I didn't get what I wanted. And when I finally saw that, and it happened in a, in a very epic moment, this is the story I tell in Love, Sex, Relationship, Magic. It happened actually on our honeymoon, which we took <clears throat> three or four months after we got married. We went to Mallorca, Spain, and it happened there one one sunset evening on a on a windswept uh, mesa uh, over over the Christmas holiday. Um, I suddenly saw, oh my God, I have no idea how to love, and this woman is here to show me just how much I do not know how to love. And that was I was 26 years old, and that that was a first kind of aha moment in my life where I realized, okay, I think I got something I need to learn here. It's not about her anymore. This is about me now. It's about my growth. This isn't about her changing. This is about me removing all my own obstacles and ignorances to love. That's what's really at play here. Oh my God, I never saw that. Uh, yeah, you just hit on like probably one of the biggest things ever that people need to, um, be reminded of, or maybe I doubt heard for the first time here, but perhaps that, that whole difference between conditional and unconditional love, right? Like as you're telling your story, I am thinking back to all the times. Yes, I did the same thing. I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get the kiss. I didn't get the cuddle. Uh, you didn't hold my hand. So now I'm going to withdraw my love and be, and maybe even be a bitch to you. I think it's pretty common. Yeah, and, and it's very common. And, and one of the, the big confusions in all of this is, 
is people think being, you know, being unconditional in my loving means if that means if someone's punching me in the face, I just have to stand there and take it. <laughs> no, absolutely no. not. In fact, me and that, that me and the, my, my, that, my French wife, we were so not right for each other. It, it just, it just, it just, we were, well, and that's a whole story, right? Wrong. I mean, you're with exactly the person you're supposed to be with. I firmly believe that. But the point is, one of the, one of the things that, um, one of the kind of the core distinctions that I, when I'm, when I'm working with individuals or couples is the, is the, the, the distinction that you can love, you can unconditionally love another human being from a different room. From a distance. (laughs) From a distance. And sometimes that is the most, the the most healthy, appropriate, even necessary place to love them from. Loving them in their presence is actually oftentimes disempowering to them. It's not loving to empower, to enable someone's, someone's insanities. Unacceptable behavior. Hurtful behavior. That's right. Their hurtful behavior. It is not loving to enable someone's hurtful behavior. Absolutely. Sometimes one of the the themes I work with too is sometimes the most loving thing, in particular, coming back to the the kind of man woman difference. Um, and you had mentioned that a lot of, um, like a lot of women tend to do, that's what kicked this all, this part all off is that more women tend to want to do relationship work. And what I find is that men only come to coaching, particularly relationship coaching. Men will go to business coaching, but relationship Mm -hmm. coaching, men only come to relationship coaching because they have no choice, because their their partner, they've finally got it that their partner is done. Their partner's leaving if she hasn't left already. One of the things that I often tell women is sometimes the best gift, the most loving gift you can give your man is to leave him. Leave. Yeah. Because that may be the thing. To wake him up. Sometimes it's the only thing that will wake him up so that he's finally willing to do the work. Well, and that kind of goes along with, too, I'm just thinking um, the connection here between one of the other things you teach is that, and I loved it, whereas um, a woman's job versus a man's job in a relationship, and you talk about how it's a woman's job to lead and a man's job to mm-hmm. to protect, right? Yeah. And in this case, you're talking about, you know, the woman leading by saying, I'm going to leave, right, unless... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you, unless you pretty much, unless you wake up, right? That's really, that's really what we're saying a lot of the time is, you know, wake up to yourself, to, you know, everything you're yeah. here to be, or I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, yeah, boy, this is, this is, this is really a big one. And I, I see this at all levels of, of our world of society because we, yes. we've got it all backwards in, in our, in our very paternalistic patriarchal system. We, we've got it all backwards. We, we believe it's the masculine, the the outcome mind that leads, that that says where this should go. It's the you know the the visionary thinker, the visionary leader. He's the one, the, the one you know who, who can see everything, and that's where we go. And 
oh my God, that gets us in so much damn trouble because <laughs> the visionary thinker, the, the all that's all conditioned upon his own wounds and his own blind spots and his own bullshit, his own stories. And, you know, rather it's the feminine heart. You know, I, I work with this word. I use this word a lot in my work called orientation, orienting, orienting. Mm. You know, when a man finally finds a woman that he cannot stay away from. He becomes oriented towards her heart. He becomes oriented towards love. And a lot of men, that's very short-lived because she, she, she tends to like her feminine value of connection is giddy that all of a sudden here's this masculine presence that's shown up and orienting towards her. So she, so he's showing up. He's doing all the things that, that are kind of demonstrations of love. He's oriented towards love in, in, in this early excitement. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. But then, but then what happens is a lot of times she stops being an invitation for him to meet her where she mm. wants deeply to be met. And instead now she tends to become the, the engine for a relationship because she so wants that connection to be preserved. And he stops doing all the loving things because he's lost his orientation. He doesn't need to do it anymore. He doesn't need to show up anymore because she's doing all the showing up. What's he there for? Oh, so, okay, I'm getting this. So you're saying that she kind of tries to take over. The relationship. Right. She tries, makes rela- to, she's is, making relationship yeah. happen, exactly. Right. She's the one. She kind of takes the, the driver's seat. And this is true, I think, for a lot of happen. women. And this, and this day, in this day and age, I think what has happened for so long, I'm just thinking through why this is happening, is that for so long, women were, hmm, not honored. We'll just say that. And so now I think they've kind of taken back their power, but it's to the extreme uh-huh. where they've, they've mm-hmm. trying to manage and control the relationship. And nobody likes that, right? That's right. Because she doesn't want a man who's showing up out of obligation. Right. But that's soon what it, 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 it can feel like it becomes. Rather, I'll give you an example. Let me make this, because I'm talking a little poetically here. Let, let me just make this very real. So in the beginning, uh, so my partner and I, we now live together, but for we didn't move in with each other for about two years. We, she only moved in maybe five, five months ago or so. Um, during those first two years, when we did not spend the night together, when we slept in our own homes, the next morning, I was always the one, at least well, let's say 98% of the time, I would call her first. I would initiate relationship with her every day. I would pursue her every day. I would, um, and look, it, did, it didn't start out like that way at the beginning. I mean, we had to kind of get clear around what was going on here. There's Because I have my own inherent resistance, kind of masculine resistance to relationship. Uh, it's present for me too. But this is also why it was so important for me to take this on and initiate relationship every day as a way of me leaning into my relational edge and saying and stepping in and saying, I choose this relationship every day, not once. Not once in July and then I don't think about it again because she's here and not going anywhere. No, mm. every day. 
I would call her or text her. I would in some way reach out and initiate relationships. So, and she would let me. This is the important part too. She would allow me to do that. Uh huh. Right? She didn't chase <laughs> me down every day. Now, at the beginning, the first month or two we were together, I was traveling a lot. I was on opposite, I was in New York and she was in LA and, um, just because of the time difference, I wouldn't call her in the morning. I figure she's sleeping and I'm not going to wake her up. And besides, we spoke last night. Everything was fine. So we're right. good. So the day would go by. I'd finally finish my work, you know, or, or I'd, I'd be focused. I'm feeling good, doing my thing all day. You know, six, seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock, I'm ready to call her. And, but, you know, now the whole day has gone by and she hasn't heard from me. Again, that was uh -oh. fine for me. I, I, I felt good, but uh-oh. That's right. Because it was very dis, you know, use that word, disorienting. Now she wasn't, um, you know, because our connection is tenuous at the beginning of a relationship, especially. We don't quite know where things are. And, and we had a conversation about this. And she told me, she said, I really, it's very clear to me that this doesn't work for me. I really need to hear from you in the morning. I, I need to connect twice a day for me to really feel um, deeply held by what's unfolding here. I, I want to hear from you twice a day. And so I heard her and I was like, okay, all right, I can do that. But here's what I did. The first day I called in the morning. Hey, babe. Good morning. How you doing? You sleep good? Okay. What you doing today? All right. You doing this? Okay. You doing that? Okay. Great. Yep. All right. I'm off to work. Bye. Yep. How do you think she liked that, Tanya? <laughs> Sounds kind of cold. Sounds kind of like something it. you had to check off your to-do list. <laughs> That's exactly right. She hated it. <clears throat> it was almost worse than not doing it at all. She hated right. it. Right. Because she wanted to connect. It wasn't you know, again, I, I'm thinking, okay, what's the problem? Oh, all I got to do is call you in the morning. All right, it's kind of annoying, but I'll do it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I love that. And it didn't go well. So because she wanted to connect, she didn't want to just be another checklist item on my to-do right. list. So, right. you know, I mean, that's a way, but that was a way, and it was also a way of of, of her acknowledging, like being an invitation, like, hey, buddy, I want to do real relationship, but I'm not going to make it happen. I'll communicate to you what works for me and what doesn't, but I'm not going to mm. make it happen. That's on you, right? Here's my heart. Here's love. This is what, um, you know, one of the models that I work with in, in, in couples coaching is the three stages of intimacy and, and moving from stage one, which is all about me. I, there's only I, to stage two, which is there's I, and now there's a you also. Oh, now you're here. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you know, stage one is all is what codependence is all about. There's only me. I'm either okay. using you or being used by you. There's, that's all. That's that's codependence. I'm using you mm. or being used by you, and frequently both uh, happen simultaneously. Because there's only me. You don't even exist except as a means for my exploitation to get what I want. Yeah. Right. Even if it's even if what I want is just to not be alone. You will fill it for so, that reason. That's right. Mm -hmm. So stage two, though, is about I, there's I and there's you. 
I'm here, but I can acknowledge that you also are here too. We can negotiate needs or we can, you know, but it's got to work for both. It's got to, you know, it's like I'm not going to, you know, stage two is all about being very safe. I'm not going to give up my identity. I'm not going to, I'm here and you're there. I've got me, you've got you. And somehow we'll make magic with that is the thinking, even though there's not very mm. magic, not a, lot, not a lot of magic in stage two. It's more like a business deal or, or friendship. See, what most people are yearning for, and women tend to be the, the instigators, the catalysts for this, this transformation, this evolution from stage two to stage three, because in stage three, the consciousness is, is we. Now, I and you become we. So the, the choices we're making, the decisions we're making, they're not about what, just what my little ego wants or what your little ego wants. But what would serve we? Ooh, I can I can feel. Mm, and I don't know if it's mine or just picking up on the people that are going to be listening to this. Mm. A lot of people get um, they want that, but then when they hear that, I think there is fear that if I merge into we, I will lose myself. Yeah, I will lose myself. I'm afraid of losing myself. It's one of the the, the, the top yeah. fears when I interview people about relationships. I'm afraid of losing myself. And what they're speaking to is, um, I'm afraid. So it's like, I've, that's usually the voice of a, of a stage two independent person who's 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 had an experience mm-hmm. of their independence. Stage two is independence. Yeah. It's again, there's I and there's you. There's separation. I know where I am and I know where you are. What people are really afraid of is not moving into stage three. They're afraid of slipping back into stage one. Really? Where they've lost their they've lost their independence. Absolutely. I think I think you're absolutely. I wouldn't have said it that way, but I, I think you're absolutely right because I'm just thinking about my own situation where I've had some really abusive relationships in the past where mm-hmm. I was used. And um, and yeah. so we can still feel scary to me because I'm afraid that's going to happen again, right? Yeah. Well, mm. the, the, that's right. Absolutely. That's the fear. Oh my God! If I really, it's again, it's the it's the stage two mindset that hasn't really grounded in stage through three reality, right? But really only knows stage one as a. As, as that's what happens in relationships. People use each other. They hurt each other. Someone, you know, they tell me something and they lie and they devastate me, right? <laughs> Again, it's all about notice. It's all about I'm going to get hurt. Yes. Yep, absolutely. So, absolutely. So what do we do about it, this, Brian? <laughs> well, this is, this is the work. This is, this is the inner work. This is the inner growth work. This is, so, I tend to work with couples and they're, they're at one of two flex points. They're either in stage one codependency and they're, and, and what would serve them is stage two independence, which, which can be learned together. But that is where two people really learn how to take full responsibility for their own experience. Cause in stage one, you want to give it all to your, the other person. It's your fault. I'm miserable. Right, right. Blame. Then, then you don't have to do anything to Blame. to shift. Projection. So, what do you? That's right. I don't have. So, what are some? So, what are some tips and tools, or you know, whatever you want to share? I know we're going to share your yeah. gift in a minute, and we need to wrap up. But what, uh, like, yeah. what is one thing you can give us today as quote unquote? I hate the word <coughs> homework. Let's call it soul work. Um, yeah. To work um, yeah. to to begin to 
heal yeah. this either codependency well, or I plus yeah. you, like, yeah. you know, to move into we. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a very simple but not easy uh, tool. But very simple. The best tools are super simple and really fucking hard. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> when you when you first start when you first start using them anyway, um, because they they offer a catalyst for the most meaningful change. That's what makes them hard. If they were easy, everyone would be doing them. We wouldn't be talking. We'd be having this conversation. Right. <laughs> we so, need to be doing so, this. <laughs> that's right. So, so 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 we'll just talk about language. And one of the one of the tools. And I'll, and I'll give this perspective. And I'm coming at this from, uh, you know, I'm speaking in a heterosexual context where a woman is more f- the more feminine pole in the relationship, and the man is the more masculine pole. But that is that is not at all the only way that this happens. I mean, th- these dynamics happen in same sex dynamics. A woman may be the more masculine pole, and the f- a man be more feminine, more more emotional, more in his feelings and emotions and a woman may be kind of more in her logical view of kind of you know loyal to logic so i'm going to say man and woman but just know that you know take take what resonates for you and and and, and go with that and, and if it doesn't just throw it away and go about your day <laughs> so one of the one of the tools and i have a video on my facebook page called the relationship death gap where just this gap exactly where you have Two people in this this awful gap. Man is um, or woman, but man is more you know logic oriented. He's he's basically saying you're crazy, you're making shit up, you know you're making my life hell. Is basically what he's saying is you're you're too difficult for me. What she's saying, on the other hand, is you know my feelings are hurt and you did this to me. It's your fault. You did this. You're the reason that I feel the way that I feel. Hmm. So quick language. Um, for I, and my partner and I, we practice this a lot. Also, when 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 as a woman, if something hurts you, or man, if someone something hurts you, and your partner's done something that hurts you, start with this sentence: "You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. And I'm hurt." I'm feeling, this is what I'm feeling. And you could say, when you did this, it made me feel like this, or I felt like this. Right? When you said that thing, oh, it made me hate myself. All of a sudden, or my body just, oh, I felt disgusted in my body. Let's just happen in my body. But you didn't do anything wrong. So when you say you didn't do anything wrong, you, you can, you help, you help him relax his fix-it mind. Uh, yeah, so you are right. You are so right on with this. I love this because I'm like, oh, my God, where does this come from? The first thing my sweetie says when I tell him how I feel is he, he, he can go into the, I did something wrong. I'm a bad boyfriend. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very interesting. So you tell him, very interesting. So you just tell him, no, yeah. honey, you didn't do anything wrong. You're an amazing boyfriend. You really are to me. I love you. I'm 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 happy with you. And this thing hurt me. I'm just I'm just feeling something. I'm going through something. This triggered something in me. Like so, you're taking responsibility. You're not denying what you feel. And right. and certainly his actions had impact. But you're relieving him of of the burden of it's your fault. 
It's all your fault. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's not. Probably whatever he did triggered something that happened that that reminds you of something that happened long before he ever showed up. Uh, Yeah, typically back in childhood. (laughs) For most of us, it started in childhood. Absolutely. That's right. And and whatever the thing he did, if, if to another woman, it, it might not hurt the way it hurt you. So it's not his fault. Yes, he has impact. And this is I'm, I'm in a kind of a third stage practice here, right? Because third stage is very paradoxical. Yes, your boyfriend has impact. His behavior affects how you feel, and it's also not his fault how you feel. That's right. You know, that's Those your, are true. That's you. So again, it's paradoxical. That's. That's, so this is kind of third stage practice. So just, again, I said it's simple. I didn't say it was easy because a lot of women or men, they, they hear that and they go, that's bullshit. He did something wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's where, again, I said it was simple but not easy because now you got to confront your own stories about the world. And I am not a right. fan of, 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 of the frame of right and wrong. I definitely believe in skillful and unskillful. Right and wrong. Well, and I'm also and I'm also heal and I'm also hearing victim versus um, non-victim um, is yeah. is kind of what I'm what I'm hearing too. Is really you're yeah. taking responsibility. Right. You're not blaming right. somebody else for your emotions or etc. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Now on the other side, now on the other side, as a, as a the more masculine partner, the, the thing that we often are doing is you're making shit up. You're crazy. You're sensitive. You're weak. You're it's not it's not even real. What you're believing that hurt you feel it's bullshit. It doesn't. I didn't. I didn't mean it. You shouldn't like. You know. I spent ten minutes once telling uh, after after ten minutes, which it doesn't. It's actually not a long. I've spent hours and years in relationships <laughs> past, probably even in this one. But I spent, remember spending about 10, 15 minutes convincing my partner once why something I did shouldn't have hurt her. And as soon as I was done, she just looked at me and said, Brian, nothing you just said makes any difference to my feelings. It was the most amazing <laughs> thing she's ever said. To you just wait to your breath, brother. So, um, so Brian, a, thank you so much well, for that well, high-level tip. <laughs> That's well, cool. let, let me let me just offer. I just want to. I know we're I know we're running short on time, but I want to just offer to to the men or the, the masculine poll listening. Never use language that implies she's crazy. Uh, Don't roll your I'll eyes. Not even one. internally. Not even internally. Yeah, there's nothing that causes us to withdraw uh, our love and our heart more than than what you just said. Absolutely. I'm really glad that you said that because... Um, so I just wanted to yeah. wrap up with that, and I know that leads lots of questions that we do not have time for here, so... <laughs> but you guys... Work with um, that. Um, Brian, yes, work with that, and if you want more of Brian, which I can't imagine you wouldn't, he's got a free gift for us. Can um, you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, there's actually a few free gifts there, but I'll tell you about uh, one of them. And it is, so my, my course that we've talked about a few times, Love, Sex, Relationship, Magic. The second module is a an inventory, a relationship inventory, using a few different methods to help you get a really clear picture about what you have been experiencing and why. So um, using a few different maps, you get to really reflect on what you've been experiencing and, and, and why um, these patterns have been emerging. And the rest of the program was, of course, a, a map for, for how you can start to uh, 
shift all of that. So you get that free. And, you get that module free. And and may I add, um, I, I've i done that module. Actually, me and my sweetie did it yesterday, and it was very powerful, like super powerful to get a get a kind of tap into where you are right now and then what's missing. And, um, yeah, I thought it was powerful. So, you guys, I highly recommend to – Grab Brian's free gift, Love, Sex, Relationship Magic, Module 2. Um, he's got some more bonus gifts. And you can do that by going right underneath this audio if you're on my website and clicking the link to his free gift. It actually says free gift. If you're on Podbean or iTunes, you can come over to tanyapenny.com, click on Podcast, which is on the top of the screen, and it'll take you to this Interview, Brian's free gift, and my free gift, the Buy My Body and Abundant Life Starter Kit, which is the two, 10 Keys Blueprint Guide, audio lesson, and my secret tool, the Guided Therapeutic Meditation Practice, that will help you to not only heal your body, but live in abundance and freedom um, while living your passions and purpose, plus all the other amazing expert interviews and gifts. So, Brian, again, I just want to say thank you so much. This was so much fun, and it was, yeah, gosh, kind of deep and juicy. Like, I'm, I'm going to go back and re-listen to it for myself. <laughs> I'll probably re-listen to it a few times. So thank you so much. And is there any parting words you have for us today? Uh, yeah, just remember, we are all innocent in our ignorance. If we knew how to do this stuff better, we would absolutely do it better. So, you know, be gentle on yourselves and your partners and, and get support. Get support. We're not supposed to do this alone. We, we can't. We can't figure this stuff out. So get support. But we're all innocent mm. in our ignorance. Innocent in yeah. our ignorance. I'll say it one more time. We are innocent in our ignorance. Absolutely. We, we can't do better. We can't do better until we know how to do better. And that oftentimes takes support because we didn't have healthy models growing up. So, and I'll just add to that progress, not perfection. You know, changing this shit can be really difficult sometimes and feel really challenging, um, especially relationships. So be, again, I always like to say compassion, curiosity, and just take those small steps daily and um, trust that you're, you're going in the direction of you know, creating something, co-creating something more positive and fulfilling in your life. Um, and it doesn't often happen overnight. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. And I look forward to seeing you again soon um, for more amazing expert interviews and free gifts. And if you enjoyed this interview, feel free to um, write a review, like it, and share it with other people in your life that could use this wisdom and tools too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Vibrant Body and Abundant Life with Tanya Penny. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to leave us a favorable review at iTunes. And remember to visit tanyapenny.com to receive all of your favorite free expert gifts, including Tanya's virtual workshop, The Vibrant Body and Abundant Life Blueprint.